0: Welcome to Nurses Out Loud, the Thursday edition. Today, I have a special guest with me. I have Senator Laura Reinbold out of Alaska, and she has been out there fighting for the American people from the very beginning of this COVID nightmare that we've all been through. And she has quite a few stories to tell us about, and I can't wait to bring her to you. Welcome, Senator Reinbold.
1: Well, thank you for having me on, Michelle. Yes,
0: so we, we would love to hear how the journey started for you in 2020. Um, we know that you have been um, in, the, in the Senate and in the House, and I believe you were in the House for six years of Alaska as a representative of Alaska, and you were in the Alaska State Senate for four years. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay, and during when COVID hit, why don't you tell us as a – were you – actually one of those at the time, a Senator or a House uh, in the House of Representatives?
1: Yes, I was. Uh, So just to give a little bit of background on who I am, uh, born and raised in Alaska, and um, I did uh, study nursing school, and then I um, uh, got a degree in business administration with an emphasis in healthcare administration and healthcare marketing, and uh, became chief operating officer of Medical Park Family Care. I was a worked for Bristol Myers Squibb. I became the first district business manager in Alaska and led to national uh, top sales. And I also sold monoclonal antibodies for Johnson & Johnson. So I did have some healthcare background prior to my experience in the legislature. So when COVID hit, it was my seventh year in the legislature, seventh or eighth year in the legislature. And so I was aware I had been fighting pretty big battles um, with Gates, Bill Gates involved with the common core initiative. And so I pretty much knew who he was, what kind of uh, things that he stood for and was very aware of his involvement in vaccines. Um, I, uh, was very, very concerned. Um, I knew the night of March 28th of 2020, when the bills were getting passed overnight to give the governor tremendous power, I knew it was a very, very serious issue and followed that bill giving the um, governor basically illegal and unconstitutional powers i noted it that night i stayed up all night and watched that meeting and i told my staff this is it this is what we have to fight so instinctually i knew he'd been he had declared an emergency when there was only one pilot from out of state that allegedly had covid it wasn't even a confirmed test yet and he wanted to shut down the state that was enough alarm for me to know something very serious was happening
0: Oh, my word. These are the kind of things that those of us that are out there just being shocked ourselves from the news don't even know is actually happening until someone like yourself is aware of the power that's being granted to these governors under emergency powers. Correct.
1: Correct. And they were only supposed to last 30 days and he wanted it to last six months and then he illegally extended it another month and another month and another month through Thanksgiving through Christmas, all the way to April 30th of um, 2021. 20, uh, and um, we'll get into this later, but but his bill that I had killed in the Senate was SB 56. He wanted to retroactively us to forgive all his illegal actions. And, uh, and I had killed the bill in the Senate. And when I was banned on Alaska Airlines, Um, his bill, House Bill 76, which was the companion bill to Senate Bill 56. If you know how the Senate and House works, they always have companion bills with the governor. And uh, his bill was on the Senate floor the following Monday. I got banned on a Friday. His bill was on the Senate floor the following Monday. But I'm sure we'll get into that later.
0: Oh, yes, that is. uh, So then let's name the governor of Alaska real quickly. So we have his name.
1: Governor Mike Dunleavy.
0: Okay, Governor Mike Dunleavy. Um, so once this here you are recognizing powers are being given to our governors in our states, and this one is somebody that already looks like he's wanting to get more use use that power to extend it, you the we're having a pandemic and it's starting to happen and, and COVID cases are starting to come. When did you feel like Alaska was impacted by COVID actually impacted with cases rising?
1: Well, I believe it happened in the fall of 2019. We had unprecedented um, because we're we're a very we have a lot of Asian countries travel. We're an international hub. Schools were were very high levels of absences. There was tremendous sickness in the fall of 2019. So I actually believe that it's highly likely that COVID could have hit Alaska in in uh, fall of uh, in and winter of 2019, and then. Um, Technically, they said that the first case hit in in March of, of 2020, but um, that's that's when the, the governor declared on March 10th, I believe, or March 11th, uh, 2020, a, a disaster declaration, which was only supposed to last 30 days by law.
0: Right. That's exactly what was true for us in Georgia as well. Now, when this was happening, we obviously were all looking for different kinds of treatments to help us. Everybody was scared. What What is it going to do what, to our bodies? I did not realize you had a nursing background. So your brain was uh, turned on medically as well. And that is probably one of the uh, reasons why you um, have proven to be so beneficial in this movement because you have that medical background. I'm so happy about that. So you're, so you're hearing about these. Did you know much about the modalities that were being used for the COVID patients when it was first happening? Did you get aware early about what was being approved? What was being disallowed? That kind of thing.
1: Oh, yes. My my background actually in pharmaceutical sales, pharmaceutical management, and working for Johnson & Johnson, uh, um, promoting monoclonal antibodies. Actually, Pfizer was my opponent for almost, you know, I'd say maybe eight, nine years. And so I was aware of who Pfizer was. And so I knew when they were uh, doing this vaccine, I knew roughly it takes 17 years from initiation Till the end, to put a a safety product that was safe for pregnant people, for the young, et cetera, et cetera, all the safety trials that you had to go through. Um, I worked with PharmDs and placed grants, et cetera, in Alaska. And uh, I knew that there was no way possible. That, uh, that a vaccine could be done. That's why I always called it warp speed, not warp speed, warp speed. Oh. There was something seriously wrong. And I actually was looking back into the trials of the mRNA way back in the early 2000s. And I was working with some geniuses. I had a, I have a very incredible, my sister's a physician. I have a lot of friends that are physicians. So I was talking about this day and night. We knew ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were good. We knew that way back in March of 2020, my sister was promoting, um, ivermectin way back then. So, and hydroxychloroquine as well. Um, and she got targeted as well uh, in this, in this whole battle. Um, but thank goodness she came out unscathed. Um, but the bottom line is, yes, I was very, very aware because of my pharmaceutical, um, you know, working in that industry for, for quite some time.
0: Yes. And I think to this day, everybody's just realizing that the bureaucrats that are making rules for us, they're non-elected people. And they're, they protected themselves from knowing how much connection they have to potential wealth gain associated to there not being something like ivermectin. If If ivermectin worked, there was no need for their expensive new vaccine. So that's something that the world has now wake, uh, woken up to. We, we probably did not realize how many connections there actually were to pharmaceutical companies and our public health authorities. So that's just been a wake-up call for the American citizens. And when it comes to the monoclonal antibodies, um, Operation Warp Speed had in it the, the thing called The Cure is in Us, which was specifically about monoclonal antibody, encouraging people to go and donate if you've recovered from COVID, to go and donate your plasma so that you could you could actually get paid. My college students used it to make money because they'd recovered from COVID in 2020. But it was almost impossible for people to even access monoclonal antibodies. Do you know much more about that?
1: Well, in Alaska, um, we had a, a we had um, there was a scandal with the mayor, and he he had really shut down our our um, city hard, Anchorage, Alaska. And we got a new mayor and uh, Mayor Dave Bronson, who actually did a great job, and he opened monoclonal clinics up all over the place. So we had very, very easy access. I personally, when I got COVID, I chose not to. One, because I used to promote them and I knew some of the potential dangers of them. And so I chose to stay away from them and just strictly went on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I had quite a serious case of, of COVID, um, but I decided to go naturopathic um, with the exception of the, the z uh basically. And uh, so so the bottom line is we did have access if people chose to, to go get monoclonal antibodies in Alaska.
0: Okay. That's very interesting, your insight in it. When people ask me which one they prefer, what, Michelle, would you get the monoclonal antibodies or take the ivermectin. I said, I would take the ivermectin or the HCQ hands down over this pharmaceutical product because there's risk associated to just getting any blood products. But, and and you, and you even knew more, more reasons why, but obviously the battle to find access to ivermectin and HCQ became part of the battle. So how hard was it to get access in Alaska?
1: Almost impossible. I knew that something very serious was going on. So the first thing we had to do is try to unlock Alaska. You know, unlock um, you know our city. And so we we started um, groups. You know, a- across the state of Alaska. And um, we were looking for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I can tell you, I went to the Matanuska, Susitna sit in a valley and I could find nine pills of ivermectin in all of, and because I was a pharmaceutical sales rep, I knew how to go in, what kind of questions to ask the pharmacies. It was almost impossible. And that's why I started Constitutional Freedom Fighters. And I worked with coalitions like Alaskans for Constitutional Rights, Stop the Jab, on and on. There was about 12 to 14 organizations. And I would go speak to them, encourage them. We would network with each other and we still have them going to this day.
0: Okay. So that is immediately, obviously we started hearing about the goal was to get Operation Warp Speed. And I've tried to help people see a perspective that um, the president at the time was looking like he was utilizing the authorities that were the natural experts in this field, the public health authorities And that all those Operation Warp Speed meetings that we saw day in, day out, throughout 2020, faithfully, he was stepping back and putting them in front like, okay, they're the ones who know this thing. They're they're the ones that are telling me this is the best solution. And this is what we're going to pursue, because that's what the uh, the people who are supposedly the experts going to telling telling the president that they needed. But um, the fact that the cure was in us, the cure is in us campaign got so squashed. Um, I didn't know, many people didn't even know that there was even a campaign out there to make money as a recovered person. So then along comes this vaccine push. And I think all of us fundamentally believed it was going to be pushed harder than they claimed it was going to be. Uh, The second administration, when Biden came in, obviously, the, the story changed from, of course, we're not going to mandate this to the first year in office, major mandates, and all of a sudden the country is in turmoil because of the these um, pressures that you can't continue your job, your education, your school, going into public place without this. So tell us what happened as that rollout occurred for you in Alaska.
1: Well, I knew that it was obvious to me. I don't know if it was obvious to, to everyone else, but it was clearly obvious to me that if Biden was gonna mandate these masks, there was no doubt in my mind he was gonna mandate the shots. So I was very aggressive in 2021 when he started this mask mandate um, to get everything in my power to try to uh, protect Alaskans from this tyranny. And so I immediately started working on legislation. Um, it was anti-discrimination uh, based on the COVID-19 vaccine. I tried to get it into bills and um, I, I was successful m- multiple times, but the governor uh, outwitted us. He was then on April 30th, uh, twenty. 21 when he finally ended the disaster declaration they went into emergency powers which is unconstitution it's um undelegated powers to an unelected official our commissioner adam crumb and our chief medical officer dr ann Zink were now in charge of health and are constitutionally it can't be that way so they ended the anti-discrimination you know it, it, it had passed and then it immediately ended because he um he switched it to emergency delegated powers to the health and social services. Well, the bottom line, so I still worked tirelessly on trying to protect Alaskans' right and their medical freedom and privacy rights. And I did eventually get a bill, SB 156. It was the most popular bill I've ever worked on in the tenure uh, that I served in the legislature. It had thousands of people testifying that they did not want to be forced to take treatment against their will to keep a job. It was coercion. It was criminal acts. That's what people did understand so we hosted symposiums uh one was October 29th um 2021 and um we hosted uh a lot of speakers that you've already talked about Dr. Uh, Malone and Dr. Yan and you Nicola. know several people were at this symposium and um I did a, a, a event that was on medical and legal rights according to the the constitution federal statutes and state statutes and um, I clearly was showing people that if any employer is trying to do it is illegal. It is criminal activity. And uh, that was very popular. It was a sellout event. And um, we ended up just continuing the pressure. And with all these, you, these uh, groups across the state of Alaska, Alaska is huge, um, we were able to get a tremendous amount of testimony and uh, thousands of people commenting um, for in support of this bill, which even in the position. Um, You know, being targeted. I still was able to get that passed with Democrats and Republicans in the Alaska State Senate. It was a non-discrimination. No one was allowed to ask you about your your vaccine status basically or could discriminate against you. You could opt out for any reason and you could not be denied any government services or anything uh, based on your COVID-19 status. And people don't understand this, but it's actually part of um, the Obamacare Act where people are not allowed to act Ask you your vaccine status, and it's considered a pre-existing uh, condition, you know, and that is for like insurance purposes, etc. And um, I got that on record from Lori Winghier, our division director in Health and Social Services, because uh, she said my bill wasn't necessary because technically they weren't allowed to discriminate and they weren't allowed to even ask your vaccine status. So the problem is, so many people don't know their rights. We also had a a law already in place in Alaska where you could deny any medical treatment, anything you could opt out of. We're actually an opt-in state, not an opt-out state. So you even amass anything legally you are allowed to opt out of if they considered a medical treatment or a medical device.
0: So when you're bringing up known written law and making it known to the people in Alaska and to the governor, what is happening that makes people still be able to usurp that what what measures would they have to take to usurp an understood law
1: are you talking about from the people's perspective no
0: from the the governor governor and people in authority what they're doing
1: we could not understand the governor. I mean, I I can't not speak for him. Right. But I can tell you, I've got multiple videos. Um, I have videos where I mean, there was like obsession with the COVID nineteen vaccine. You go down and it was pasted all over the the airport. Um, there was massive amounts of screening. Technically, they weren't allowed to be doing that. You could just walk around it, and that's what I did, and that's what a lot of people did because I knew it was illegal. And they, and even when I asked them, I said, "Is this being forced?" They knew they couldn't because anything under emergency. Emergency use according to federal law and the COVID vaccine and PCR tests were both under emergency use. You cannot mandate them. I looked into the statutes. I knew that what they were doing was illegal, but there was massive amounts of money, billions of dollars even coming to the state of Alaska. And so we had that, you know, people were controlled by money and power and the media was bought out and there was a lot of people cowering to this. If you look at the COVID funding, you know, people are getting tremendous amounts of money for, for marketing. You know, the media was getting a ton of money for marketing this experiment. Right. And um, we were trying to follow the money. And so it was it was money and, and power. And executive branches do not write laws. The executive branch enforces the legislative laws. So that's really where I stood. As a legislator, I was extraordinarily offended that the executive branch, it's tyranny when the executive branch writes the law, And enforces the law. You are—that is not the way it's supposed to. That's why we have three equal branches, you know, of government. And and I knew that that the executive branch was way out of control
0: what's really sad is the realization after we started publishing information to try and help the people become better informed. You're a nurse. You realize you're supposed to be a patient educator. You're having to make sure to teach the people so that they can understand at their level. But what we actually have is it's documented that all medical material and literature is supposed to be kept at a seventh to eighth grade level so that the, because apparently the literacy rate in our country is that low so that our American people can actually understand medical data. And as we're trying to discuss medical data with the people to try and show them that this is what's true, this is what's not true, this is what's accurate or not, even though it was being simplified, the brutality to try and stop us from talking about it was unbelievable. And here you are talking about laws. We've got an American populace that if at a seventh or eighth grade level apparently does not fully, like you said, do not understand the powers of each of the branches of government. So then there was that need to educate the populace. So this is This has really been coming for a while, just a dumbing down of our society, I suppose, instead of trying to make amazingly brilliant people that graduate with amazing, brilliant knowledge of their constitution. Instead, we have people that are sadly not really well educated so that when someone like yourself comes out and speaks, you can't start at point um, five that you assume everybody knows zero through four. You have to start at zero and educate them on the basics of our laws. I, I assume that's what's had to happen for you.
1: Well, I can tell you that Common Core, and I fought that for five years, um, that's a Bill Gates movement of, and I believe it was dumbing down of America. And, um, you know, the history standards changed. So much happened the last 10 years with the Common Core that definitely uh, that is very serious. It's still an issue that I think needs to be rooted out of our system because it was basically more of a communist type overtake of of the education system it was based um on uh, common values and it was based on research in china the common core i did a symposium this symposiums on uh, the dangers in the common core for years and um and, and I st- it, it is still being taught in, in America schools. And I think it, the, the minds of our youth are the most important thing. We've got to get Common Core out of our schools and back to the, you know, Saxon math, of the historical studies. I'd actually recommend, and I, I'm going to put a plug in right now, for the Founders Bible Wall Builders. It's, I think, one of the most brilliant organizations in the nation. He has phenomenal history standards. And I'm a very much an advocate for homeschooling now. The critical race theory and all these very toxic things are being taught in our schools schools. schools and um, i would highly recommend going to wall builders if you're a homeschooler or want to homeschool or supplement your kids education and the founder's bible it it got put out in 2012 and it goes over a tremendous amount of history of this america and, and what america was founded on there is hundreds i believe usurps in that in that founder's bible it's not just the bible but it has taught me more about america than i ever learned in the you know 12 14 whatever years it was that i was in in education you know uh yeah. Elementary, junior high, high school, and college. It, it is a brilliant the founders Bible. And I would highly recommend everyone to go to White Wall Builders and, and get that as gifts.
0: Oh, I'm definitely going to make sure we include that in our citations. You happen to be talking to a 29-year homeschooler who's graduated five of my six kids out of the homeschool world, out into the world. And there is no doubt in my no doubt in my mind that when I launched, three of them, three of them graduated in 2020. They were so looking forward to it. Two were supposed to graduate but a third was, well, she finished her associate degree at 16 years old and went ahead and graduated with her brothers. So she was ahead of the ball game, but we thought, oh, how exciting to be graduates in 2020. But like no other in my life, did I know why I started homeschooling? Because 29 years ago, we were told you are launching straight arrows into a generation. You know, not, you do not know where you're launching them. So make sure they are straight arrows. And here I launched three of them into the wacky world of 2020, and they were able to stand their ground. They knew who they were. They were not, their identity was not based on peer acceptance and and the Darwinian culture of the best, the survival of the fittest within the public school environment or the school environment. They literally were their own people and the world needed these independent thinkers. And I'm sure that we'll be targeted. The homeschooling movement will always be targeted because we're we're raising up kids to be able to be independent thinkers and making sure they do know their history and they are strong in their um, math. And people don't realize that the colleges are actually courting homeschoolers. They want the homeschoolers because they know they're well educated. And what shock may shock people listening? I just did a post on that you can go to americaoutloud.com nursesoutloud under nurse Michelle and I have a post called a call to homeschool. Because never before in history is it more important that you homeschool your children right now until these issues that Senator Reinbold is bringing to our attention. There is an agenda to dumb your children down to make sure your kids don't understand their rights and their laws and the laws within which they live. We want to make sure our kids have the most power they can to understand their identity as a U.S. citizen. And it's going to take you homeschooling your children, even though you feel like you can't do it. There's no time like now for such a time as this. So thank you for bringing that point out. It's a wonderful point. I'm so glad to hear it. We need more people who represent us um, seeing us as a good thing. And the irony is, is that the average homeschool mom has a high school education and she can produce a better student than the public school can. So it doesn't take an educa- uh, you know, gr- years of education to be able to educate your own children. It's the mother committed to her own children that breeds the success. So thank you for pointing that out. Now back to this, before we do our break, we have probably about three minutes before we got to go to a break. And I want to talk to you about what you've done about these sessions that you've been having, these listening sessions, that would be nice to hear about briefly before we go to a break. And then we can talk some more about it after the break.
1: Well, I will tell you, I was um, the chair of one of the most powerful committees in the Senate. It's the judiciary chair. And I was... Exposing, I was bringing people like the Great Barrington Declaration to my committee. I was bringing OSHA experts showing that the masks don't work. I was bringing people that knew the Constitution and the law, and um, so I got targeted uh, pretty heavily in my committee and. I even had wall builders there I mean it was amazing Uh, and he was talking about the attack and the assault David Barton on our constitutional rights so we've never seen anything like this in the history of America and so I got targeted heavily by our governor he he wrote the most egregious letter about me um, and asked he wanted to um stop any resources coming to the judicial committee. He didn't want to answer questions with Dr. Ann Zink and other people because I was asking hard questions about why early treatment was being denied and all sorts. I wanted to know death surgery because I wanted to know everything that was going on. And he said I was making a mockery of public health. And anyway, I eventually lost my judiciary. I still to this day don't know why I was told because it was a social media post um, of why I lost my judiciary. So I had to Find other alternatives because I believe everybody has power to act. I believe you're a leader wherever you are. You can be, you can lead in your community, in your grocery store, in your church. You can, you can lead a homeschool, anything. You know, you are a leader. Everybody is empowered, and you have to act where you are. And uh, bottom line, I decided since they stripped me of my platform that I was going to have listening sessions. So because I was spanned on Alaska Airlines, I got stranded in Juneau for quite some time. So we had something called Friday Fire. And at Friday fire, we had anybody that was being impacted. It brought the community, a very, very liberal community together. And uh then we were we hosted a um because I just got through the border of um Canada. I got through that that border. I had to drive through. I don't think people understand this, but I had to drive through Canada to get because I was bound on Alaska Airlines, so the only airline that flies to Juneau Anchorage. It's um about a 20, 24 hours, depending on on the on the the type of of. Road conditions there are, and then you have to take like a four hour ferry to get to Juneau. We had about 2,000 people involved in the freedom convoy. Then we hosted listening sessions, and people I let the I said, I'll I'll provide the environment. And people got to go up and spend three minutes to four minutes talking about what they went through at their school, what they went through at their church, what they went through for the federal workers, what they went through the Coast Guard, the denial of treatment uh, that they did not get in the. hospitals how difficult it was to find ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine the threats they were getting at the schools and it was just a listening session where we just listened as legislators i invited other colleagues to just listen to the people and it was powerful. It was sad. It was heart wrenching, but I had to have a platform. And so I used the people. I directly just went to the people and listened to them and had listening sessions. And it was very healing because other people didn't feel alone anymore. And uh, so anybody can do things like this. And I encourage everybody, this is a very serious issue where they're trying to get these mRNA vaccines in the arms of very young children and in order to hold a job. And it's very, very serious. And in New York, I just watched the Truth and Wellness Symposium. They're actually trying to have standing orders. I believe it was Rochester, New York, uh, to to get uh, before you even get treatment um, in the hospital. So this is going to be a battle we're in for quite some time.
0: Oh, yes. Don't we all want senators like this representing us? Um, When we come back after the break, we're going to get in a little bit more detail about this banning from Alaska Airlines and a little bit more that, that we can expound on here. Because this is the kind of representatives you want representing you, who wants to empower you to have a voice, to speak out and make a difference in your community. So we'll be back right after the break. It's time and this is what. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I'm here with Senator Laura Reinbold from Alaska, and she is telling us her journey and what has happened in Alaska and what she's done to fight for the people. And where we left off was regarding something about the Alaska Airlines and what happened to a senator at the time of the COVID tyranny that was going on, what a senator had to go through to get to sessions within Alaska. So why don't we start there? Senator Reinbold.
1: Okay, well, I'll I'll tell you. um, Alaska Airlines has been a good airline overall for me in Alaska. I was MVP Gold status. They go into a lot of places that other airlines do not go, and they used to be a very Christian organization. I know they've gone dramatically woke uh, over the last um, several years, Um, but I will tell you that um, Anchorage is a long way from Juneau. Um, I I don't know exactly how many hours, um, but it. Let's, it depends on the the uh, road conditions but i will tell you at one point in january i had to go it was blizzard condition weather. it was uh 40 below um i had to go to toke and then uh, down you have to drive through canada and uh, and then you have to go all the way down through haynes and then you have to take a ferry like four to five hours and um it was it was Unbelievable! My husband and I did not see anybody. I don't think for four to five hours. And because I had refused the COVID vaccine, I had natural immunization. Uh, they would not allow us even to stay the night in Canada. Um, and and by the way, the ferries were only running. I believe there was only one ferry the entire month of January. And session starts like the third Tuesday of January. There was only one ferry. I had to catch that specific ferry from Haines to Juneau now if I choose not to take drive through Canada because of the the requirements there bottom line there's an anti-discrimination treaty basically for no discrimination can ever be allowed at that treaty at the Canadian border uh, for for transportation on the Alcan highway and Canada was violating the treaty they were trying to force vaccination so they were in violation of a very long-standing treaty <clears throat> well Bottom line is, uh, if, you, if I did not drive from Canada, uh, through Canada to get to Juneau, Alaska, I had to get on a ferry from Juneau, Alaska and take three and a half days. And this ferry, I believe, only goes about once every other week. It takes about three and a half days to get down to Bellingham, Washington. Then it's about a four or so hour drive to Seattle and then another three to four hour flight back up to Anchorage. So the banning on Alaska Airlines was significant
0: hardship, extreme hardship on the part of a representative of the people, what you had to go through just because an airline banned you. So tell me, why did they ban you?
1: Well, I wish I knew. Um, They never, ever have called me to this day. So I don't know. I never got a a tribunal. The constitution says that we can't be held before a tribunal and that we have immunity coming and going from session. So I believe they violated the constitution um, I didn't get my opportunity except in email just to describe what happened. I will tell you, I do have a CDC mask exemption. However, I was wearing a mask the entire time at the waiting area and then the entire time on the flight. I never got a warning on that flight, nor did I ever get a yellow card and I was still banned. So, you know, it's a mystery to me why I was banned. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I, I it was a completely injustice in my mind. Um, and there's several people involved. I don't think it's very wise for me to go into the players involved, but I can tell you I do believe I was targeted and I do believe it was based on a false narrative. Um, so it, it, and it was a major inconvenience for a solid year. We had, I think, five special sessions plus session during that year. So it was a, a major inconvenience to my life. But what I decided to do is just try to rally the Patriots in Juneau while I was there and listen to them and still stay on my fighting for medical rights, for medical freedom and against medical tyranny.
0: Was there an option for senators to be able to zoom into a session? Is that even, an op- was that an option?
1: Well, you're not allowed to um, vote unless you're present.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that would change everything. So the uh, if you had been able to fly on Alaska Airlines to these five sessions, What kind of what would be your general time commitment getting on an airplane flying from Anchorage to Juneau?
1: It's an hour and a half flight from Anchorage to Juneau
0: versus doing this drive. How much time would that
1: take you? Well, it depends on the time of year, like in April or May, when the roads are clear, you can do it much quicker. When I was by myself driving, sometimes I needed to rest. I I can't drive as long as some other people can. So it would take two, three days. Um, And then the the ferry would take uh, probably about four days total because it was a three and a half day ferry, but it only went every other week. And then you had the half a day drive and then the half a day flight. So it was a significant inconvenience. Alaska Airlines is the only airline that flies back and forth from Anchorage to Juneau during session that January, February, March, April, May. It is a monopoly. So it was a very, very serious action that they took. And it made national and international news.
0: Is that right? So it did come to the attention of the media?
1: Oh, I got got, um, contacted by... uh, CNN, I mean, NBC, I, it's it's all over. If people Google Senator Ryan Moe Band on Alaska Airlines, you'll come up with hundreds, if not thousands of stories. But in my opinion, it was based on a false narrative. And that is what is so troubling to me. But the convenient point of interest that that I find fascinating is that the Senator, uh, or, or excuse me, Governor Dunlavy's bill for his disaster extensions were on the floor, the following, on the Senate floor, the following Monday, that was April 26th, I believe, 2021. I was banned on April 23rd, 2021. I had successfully killed the companion bill in the Senate, which was SB 56. That was the illegal extension of disaster declarations. So I find the timing to be awful of keen interest of the timing of the ban. But, yes. you know, I, I am a very determined person. And, and even the media was saying, hell or high water, she's going to get to Juneau. And sure enough, mm-hmm. I got in a car and we drove like crazy for two days to get there and caught a ferry. Um, fortunately, there was one running and, uh, and I did make it for that vote with lots and lots of amendments on the governor's bill.
0: This is the kind of people we want. Our people to be voting for we want people who are going to fight who are going to be determined who are going to find their way there because what was she wanting to fight for she was wanting to fight for the rights of the American people. So this is just an amazing story. Will you tell me what is a yellow card when you said that what happens in a yellow card situation.
1: So apparently, um, I asked for the policy and they would not give it to me. Alaska Airlines would not give it to me, a yellow card policy. And basically, that's after you're warned once or twice um, to put your mask on or up on a plane, the final time where the straw has just broken, they give you a yellow card. And that's the policy policy. That um, you may be kicked off the flight, you may lose your privileges to fly, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the interesting thing is on that flight on April 22nd, I never got a warning on that flight, nor did I get a yellow card. So they violated their own policy when I got an email the following day, April 23rd. And it was national and international news within days Um <clears throat> that they violated their own policy. They didn't even follow the policy of the yellow card policy with me.
0: Yes. I remember at that time, the news was covering all the people that they thought were the ignorant, irrational people who would refuse to wear a mask on a plane. So they basically probably in those news were trying to make you into one of those people. Is that correct?
1: Uh, they were trying to target but you know I had looked into the science I'd looked into the CDC research I knew I knew that they were trying to push a medical device you know if if a mask is a medical advice um, you know that they're pushing it and who are they to, to push a medical advice I, you know they didn't have medical licenses and um, Right. I mean, even on the boxes that it didn't, you know, that it didn't stop the spread of, of COVID, there was something similar to that on on the boxes. And I knew that it was an illegitimate, the executive branch is not supposed to make laws, so I knew it was unconstitutional. And I was just fighting for my rights as a senator, and I was fighting for all Alaskans. And there were so many people that could not wear masks because of a variety of different right. reasons. So uh, anyway, um, yes. I want to say thank you to Judge Mizzell, uh out of Tampa, Florida on April 18th, 2022. They did lift and find that that, that, uh, administrative order the cdc mask mandate was unconstitutional as i had said from the beginning so they were trying to enforce something you know that was illegitimate that was unconstitutional and 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 i just want to thank judge mazel for being bold enough to free us all and i'll never forget i got on a flight that day alaska airlines i immediately went to the airport tried to get on a flight and i got on and i got cheers and high fives and people were like wipe that eskimo off the alaska airlines flight and put reinbold this is the reinbold flight And I will tell you, I just flew Alaska Airlines, um, I think it was just about a month ago, and uh, I went over to Hawaii, and I had a, a, a pilot there that knew who I was, and he made an announcement on the flight that Senator Reinbold was on the flight, and it was wonderful breathing, clean air with Senator Reinbold, and they ended up cheering and clapping on this flight. I was just so humbled and and, and honored. And there was a lot of Alaska Airlines um, employees and Patriots and at least a half a dozen or more pilots that were cheering for me and thanking me for what I was doing. And and so there's a lot of green lights going on in my life right now. I can't tell you how many hundreds of of texts, emails, um, letters, um, you know, people come up to me and they're like, oh, thank you. You're our hero. You fought for us. And so people recognize what I did. So that is, as long as people know that I was doing it with the purest of heart for fighting for Alaskans. And that's why I, I started empoweringalaskans.com. That's a website that we were trying to put, um, uh, empower the people and their rights and and show the, the tyranny that was going on, but make equip, empower, educate um, Alaskans to, uh, to stand their ground.
0: This is what we want to hear. This is what we want to inspire. We want to inspire our kids to be this. So we're so thankful. I knew the people would, would want what you were doing for them. And no, it's no wonder that they praised you on the airplane. These pilots and these stewardesses, they want to be free as well. And you were that person fighting for them. So thankful for that. Now, let me ask you this. Now, you were talking about these sessions that you have where these people are giving these heart-wrenching stories of what they've been through. So you've been exposed to a lot of it. You've gotten around some of these brave doctors that have been fighting for the American people, really for the world um, since this all began. As you're going forward, what do you believe is the thing to inspire the people that they can do what you already know is happening that we can actively pursue, whether it be pushing our own senators in our own states for? Do you have some words that you would like to give to the people for Uh, what you know for sure has happened or how you would like to articulate that for us.
1: Well, first of all, I would be cautious, and I know that, that this is walking on thin ice. I understand that, but I would ca- be cautious of any vaccine right now. Um, the definition of vaccines have changed, and I did presentations on this, and I believe they're still up on empoweringalaskans.com, that basically they changed the definition of vaccine. The CDC did in 2015, and I believe again in 2020. They're not what they used to be. I used to you know, get my kids all vaccinated and, and, and all that, and, and I, you know, have never been what you consider an anti-vaxxer. Now I'm an extremely precautious. I've never taken a flu vaccine. Apparently they want to use this mRNA technology and uh, some of the, the the more traditional shots. Um, I would never get the five um uh vaccines together as an infant um you know the mra you you can speak to this probably even better than i but if you are going to vaccinate your children do them individually um, so you don't overwhelm the system i know there's tremendous research that i've known about for over 20 years on autism and and vaccines there's a tremendous amount of research out there that people just need to seek. It's going to be hidden. You're going to have to seek and try to find it. I would highly recommend fi- uh, following like the Frontline uh, Critical Care Coalition. That's one of my favorites, American Frontline Doctors. I know there's been a little bit of controversy, but they still played a, a critical role in this. Uh, following Dr. Malone, Dr. Ryan um Cole, he's amazing. We're hosting another symposium up here. We want to continue to empower Alaskans. I don't think this war for medical freedom is over, and uh, people have got to be aware and and know your medical rights, know the federal laws. It's not that difficult to to know that you have freedom and you have constitutional rights. Every person can't don't depend on someone else to fight for your rights every American needs to stand up and defend their rights now before they are stripped before they are taken because I do believe there's there's potential for other you know plandemic scandemics, shandemic whatever you want to call this some people just want to call it a pandemic yeah opportunity for exploiting your rights and you have got to that's the one thing you have jurisdiction over is your own body and you better fight to defend it for you and your family it is a it is critical to saving our nation
0: well, Nancy Reagan's statement for uh, "Just Say No to Drugs" it should be now the new slogan for going forward after post-2020 era. Just say no, and then if you don't feel empowered at the moment that you don't have the words for how do you resist any particular mandate or um, threat to your freedom, just say no. Don't don't give them your business. If somebody is going to take away your rights to be able for you to be able to shop or benefit from anything they have. There is somebody else out there that is going to offer that service for you and not discriminate against you. We want to make sure that the money goes that direction and the woke get broke. That's what we were hoping is going to happen going forward. So let me ask you this. As far as these um, symposiums, you said you're going to have Ryan Cole there as well. So you've had these doctors come in and you have patients coming in and telling their stories and citizens of Alaska telling their stories. What else is something that stands out to you? regarding as you hear these stories that need to be worked on, like hospital policies, ownership, that kind of thing, anything standing out to you there?
1: Oh, I think it's so important. Like I was in the hospital a lot last week. My friend had back surgery. It was ridiculous how they're data mining. They want your phone number. I said, why do you need my phone number? I'm visiting somebody in the hospital for COVID tracking. I said, I don't believe in that. And I just refused. So you've got to just protect your privacy, protect your phone number, protect your rights. Don't let everybody want, you know, all these apps on your cell phone. I would highly recommend not using them, you know, for health and all all those kind of things. If you're going to have a health track, do it in your own binder that's safe, that's not you know, hackable, or that you don't know who's looking at the data. People are giving away their privacy. They're giving away their facial recognition. They're giving away their rights, hand over foot. And people need to stop with this bio. Uh, you know, technology. Protect your identity. Protect your rights. Protect your privacy. And um, I'm actually for more traditional methods of communication. Meeting in big groups. Networking. Contacting people. You you just learn so much more about people um, when you when you do. Do these kind of meetings and and i think um in this age of, of of technology i think we're really missing a lot of the social touch the emotional touch the the it's just really really wonderful to meet people and that's why these listing sessions have been so powerful and these symposiums so powerful uh because um you know and i think it's completely changed the trajectory for alaska i really do because people recognized they weren't alone and they they made friends and people were ministered to I mean they were they were like oh that happened to you too oh I lost my husband or or whatever too and then they would just start hugging and holding each other and it was it was like a ministry it was a a healing and that is what's so infuriating for me right now is that the the media is still in denial of all these vaccine injuries of all of these people that have been you know, dropping dead um, of the various data. And it's also clear out there. If you look at the Israeli data, it, data it's in there. If you look at the UK data, it's so there. If you look at the American data, it's there and 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 people need to be validated. There's a lot of people who have lost their job and they they need healing. You know, they're hurting. They've been people that have been vaxxed, injured and they're not being validated. and uh, And I just think it's very, very important to still talk about it and don't be afraid to talk about it and and be bold because we are fighting for our medical freedom and the and the our constitutional rights still to this day.
0: just hearing so many of those things, I, I know that you said when the governor was targeting you, it was it had to do with misinformation like you were a source of misinformation. Just hearing what you're even saying right now are all these realities. We even it's almost like it became misinformation to even address that there was a vaccine adverse event reporting system. The federal government's own va- vaccine events uh, reporting system was not allowed to be discussed and they wanted to say okay well, it's not really that accurate because anybody could file out file a theirs report. But you, it's a federal offense to file a VAERS report. So it's not like it's something that just anybody can do willy-nilly. So we were trying to let people know these are real cases that are happening. People have died. It's not even that accurate. It's probably only capturing 1% of the accurate data. And if 30,000 are at, supposedly on that document saying that there's that many people who've died in America, and that's only 1%, that's a re- pretty scary reality. And I believe it's over 2 million that have been injured. So it is unfathomable, like we're working, walking around in a parallel universe that the media is not talking about these things. So, right. Right.
1: And I think I think what you meant to say was um, it's it's a federal offense to file an inaccurate VAERS data, not to file a VAERS data. It's required by law to file if there was a exactly. vaccine injury. And the, the problem is, even when I work for pharmaceuticals, doctors did not want to do it. And, and it's it you're supposed to file these. And I actually think. We need to hold tyrants accountable right now. I think every doctor that knows of a VAERS event or an, a, an adverse action, I think they need to be held accountable. I think that's the path forward right now. People need to write affidavits if they were given bad or treatment in the hospitals if they were mistreated in the hospitals if they had an adverse reaction because I believe lawsuits are, the third branch of government right now is a very very important there have been dozens and dozens and dozens of wins in the in the courts that people are not talking about it has been remarkable I've had more you know I've been more excited about the judicial branch lately I, I was a little bit uh, you know questioned uh, a lot of their the things that they've done in the past but during covid the um the, the court's for the most part, have done a a very good job at at, uh, freeing America and holding uh, some of these people accountable. And I think that's what we need to do. And and we can't let these medical directors that are pushing these jabs on babies that they know do no good and have caused far more harm. You know, we need to hold these people accountable and these governors who misled the population and this corruption with the COVID money needs to be exposed. And, And people need to still be empowered because I do believe there's a possibility that this could happen again.
0: Yes, and I think I'm going to go ahead and add to my show notes that people will be able to find after this um, recording is a link to the Truth for Health Foundation. They actually have a step-by-step process that anyone who had a single loved one die of COVID in a hospital can fill out a form that goes to the Joint Commission, and it will force an investigation on your loved one's death. If you had a loved one die in the hospital, it is almost certain that something happened to them that should not have happened to them, that a medication was given that was known to be harmful or something was denied. It's not saying that that happened a hundred percent of the time, but it is a very good chance something happened that was unconstitutional to your loved one. So get your loved one's medical records in your possession from those hospitals. And I will put the link in the bio for you to know how to set up the Joint Commission to have to investigate because any report that's done has to be investigated by the Joint Commission, and we don't want to miss that opportunity for people to know that they have a way to take steps to start making accountability happen. I, I agree with you that I fear that this is going to happen again if we do not take action. So, feel you may feel like, what can I do? My loved one's gone from me. I'm just grieving the process. Your loved one has left you something very valuable to help you fight for justice for them. And it's called their medical record and getting the joint commission um, investigating it. Thank you so much for even saying that to us. I am so glad. And hearing people getting in their communities, hearing the truth about what's happened in their, to their friends and family, their neighbors is a very important thing that needs to be happening in every state. And I'm so thankful that you are doing that. And it sounds like it's continuing. It's still going on. And you're about to have another symposium coming up soon that you said Ryan Cole was going to be at. When is that going to happen?
1: Well, we're we're still in the planning phases. Um, Alaska is a beautiful state and people are caught uh, fishing and hunting. And so we have to per, you know, plan these very, very precisely. But uh, I will keep you updated. It will be up on Empowering Alaskans and the Alaska COVID Alliance. We usually live stream and we post the videos uh, afterwards, but some people you can follow uh, so well right now that are just doing a fabulous job. You know, food security and things like that are a very big deal. But um, Dr. Meryl Nass, I would highly recommend following her with the last uh, or with the uh, Children's Defense Fund. Robert Kennedy, her, uh, Dr. Meryl Nass's best friend is Vera Shirov. She's a Holocaust survivor that has pointed out the tyranny and the the similarities with Nuremberg. Uh, they're amazing people. Dr. Yan is is great she's following this she's the Chinese whistleblower you know we all know Dr. Peter Malone or Dr. Peter McCullough um, Dr. Malone uh, Dr. Simone Gold is still out there fighting Uh, there's so many groups Peggy Hall fought the masks like crazy I think shopping in businesses that weren't tyrannical is important make the woke go broke I love that um, I just there's so many things that everybody can do every single day going to wall builders getting um, curriculum so that you can empower your children to stand strong like you did uh, it's just there's people there's so much to do every single day you can host listening sessions anybody can to listen to the harms or the vaccine injuries or the denial of early treatment or the harmful things people did in the hospital then get affidavits then take action and and do something with that even if it's posting on social media, but there's, there's a tremendous amount of work that everybody can do every day. And I think we all need to be empowered. I want to be in this battle for the long haul because I think that our country is worth fighting for.
0: Oh, I love it. Let me ask you something about those affidavits. Where are people sending these affidavits to that they are writing their testimony on?
1: Well, our recommendation is um, to get these affidavits at the listing sessions. And we have little seminars and we have an organization called Stop the Jab, and they teach people how to write affidavits. And then you collect these from the listing sessions. And then if you're able to raise the money and sue, uh, we, we did a grand jury investigation up here in Alaska. As a matter of fact, just about two hours ago, there was a grand jury investigation set in because the courts uh, did a ruling, um, where they're trying to stop the, um, grand jury investigations, which is a constitutional right in Alaska. And, uh, so there was just a set in a few hours ago, but, um, the, the Alaskans for constitutional rights did a grand jury, um, request to look into the covid tyranny in alaska and so we're just waiting for the you know to see if these people are going to act and and do an investigation but you know any and all opportunities you have um, to defend or stop people like from from data mining on you like in the hospital asking for your phone number which is none of their business when you're just visiting a patient just stand your ground if you're feeling like this doesn't feel right it doesn't seem right Stand your ground right then and there. That's when you need to do it. Just don't roll over because the more cowards or the more people that roll over when they know something isn't right, it makes it so much harder for everybody else.
0: Right, just say no, that is wonderful. I'll go ahead and put a link to Stand Firm Now. Dr. Christina Northrup and uh, nurse Gail McRae are collecting affidavits from medical professionals that can actually attest to what they know scientifically because of their knowledge actually happened unconstitutionally. They're bringing a major lawsuit that they're hoping to go to the Supreme Court with. So I'll drop something about that to you and make sure it's in our show notes. Well, people, I think that what we've had here is a wonderful time with Senator Reinbold. I'm so thankful for you coming. Thank you so much for your fight. We appreciate all that you've done.
1: Absolutely. And thanks for you being engaged and involved. And uh, I really appreciate everybody that is engaging in this uh, fight for freedom to defend your medical rights.
0: Thank you so much. Nurses Out Loud is on talk radio live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in to all five of us nurses daily as we bring you the voices of the people. Remember, the show will go to podcast two days after it airs on talk radio. You can listen anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Find Find that podcast and make sure to share it. It is up to all of us to share valuable content. Share it via text to those that are in your influence. Share it on social media. Share it via email. We are in a war for truth. It is up to us to make the truth known. Until next week.
1: It's time.